We've been in this series over the last couple of weeks, and we've been talking really about changing our thinking uh, and changing our life. And there's a constant battle. I really do believe this. There's a constant battle going on in every person's mind, even here today. There is a battle that wages war against us and our spiritual progress on a daily basis. And it happens even on a good day like today. It happens 24-7 all the time. But I really do believe that you can be victorious in that battle if you partner with the Holy Spirit as your helper. Amen? Can I get an amen? Amen. If you partner with him and if you use the tools and the weapons that God has given you. Uh, how many of you have ever met somebody who was a nervous Nelly? That's what we call them, right? Okay. Uh, maybe, uh, I don't know if this is a thing, but an anxious Andy. <laughs> somebody who's anxious about stuff. Okay. I'm just giving a male perspective because, I mean, it happens. Or somebody who knows somebody who's a worry wart. Anybody? Okay. How many of you have ever had a kid like that? Do you have kids like that? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Don't shut me down. Okay. Uh, so yes, we know people like that. Um, and we also know there's something I'm not going to talk about today. Negative Nancy's, right? Okay. That's, that's something we're going to talk about at some other point, talking about the difference between negativity and positivity. But if we're honest, those of us here today in this room could probably say that there have been times and admit that we've been nervous, we've been worried, we've been anxious. Uh, and so I want to give you some help today in the area of winning over worry. That's the title of my message today. And I know that it doesn't affect 100% of people right now in the moment that you're going through. But there are some amazing things that we could see in God's word that we can help those we know who are worry wards. We can encourage other people. Did you know that you're not supposed to just come and eat here at the buffet of the Lord on Sunday and then not take a doggy bag home? You're supposed to take one home with you, fill it up with all the good stuff, and then share this week with somebody that God brings into your life or into your path that you can share something from the message about. Something that God spoke to you today. He might just want to use that this week in some other person's life who's not even here. So I want to encourage you. So if you don't just check out today and say, well, I'm not a worry wart. I'm really carefree. I'm pretty chill. No, this message is for all of us. And I really think at the, by the end of the message that you'll see worry and anxiety and fear in a different light than you've ever seen them before. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says this. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, we would say brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual, everybody say that word, worship. Verse 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal or renewing, which would be a present tense word, by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and 
perfect. Now, this is a little different version than what I grew up memorizing in the King James Version, but I will say this. It communicates the exact same thing that you must be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The truth is you can't keep thinking like the world thinks. And if, if you actually understand that and can walk away with that truth today, your life as a believer and as a human could be vastly different because the Bible tells us that we are called out and we are different. We are separate. So we're not to think as the world thinks and we've got to understand that there's a new way of thinking. Here's the idea. The brain in your head is more powerful than others give you credit for. <laughs> Okay, that is so true in my wife's case, okay? No, most people give her a lot of credit. But the idea here is, is that you are, you're smarter than you think you are. That's true. Amen. Good, I'm so glad. When he says, when he says that, I know he's talking about me, okay? But here's the idea. You can learn to think in new ways. You actually have the ability you literally biologically have the ability to retrain your mind and to think new ways and new patterns. Psychologists agree, and they believe that there is something that they've termed in the last few years, plasticity, and that neuroplasticity in your mind, the ability for it to mold and shape over time is something that previously wasn't really thought of. They thought, well, you, you come to your teenage years and then maybe you might learn something new later, but pretty much you're fully developed. You can't really fix anything. You can't teach an old dog a new trick. Now, many of you have met the old dogs that won't learn <clears throat> the new tricks. I'm not thinking about anybody here. I have met some people like that, though, and I have thought that. But the true reality is, is that you actually can teach a human a new way to think. See, salvation changes my eternal destination or my address. When I come to God and when I ask Jesus into my life and into my heart, when I give him full control and ability to use me, to have me, to rule me, then I have changed the destination I was heading to and now I'm going to a new destination. But just because I'm going to a new destination, it doesn't immediately change every thought process in my mind. So you've got to learn to renew. In fact, if you pull back Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 that were up there, it says this in verse, at the end of verse 2, I guess it is. It says, be not conformed, first part, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word there that's in the original language is a constant process. So it's not just something, and we say this all the time, that God is absolutely a miracle worker. He really is. But he is not a magician. He does not just wave that wand and make it all go away, although we wish he would. Amen? But he wants to teach you something in the process of renewing your mind. I want to give you this idea. Think about stairs. Anybody ever climbed a really large set of stairs? Like 
up to a really tall building or something. I've been on the Capitol steps. I've, I've been, uh, I've climbed when I was a kid and they allowed you to. Uh, there were stairwells. There are, but they aren't used these days. Inside of the Statue of Liberty, You'd enter at the bottom, you'd go over on a ferry, you'd go there. We went several field trips. You go there, it's this tiny little staircase that's circular that goes up, 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 up. And really, like, there's no way to go to the bathroom. Once you start the journey, there's nowhere to get off until you're at the top. If you start getting scared or look down, you just get shoved all the way to the top because no one is going to turn. Like, it was, it was terrifying. But here's the deal. You had to take one step at a time. And I remember being rewarded, and I got a picture somewhere, but I remember being rewarded when I got to the top and I was able to stand there and look out on the harbor through the Statue of Liberty. I'll never forget, as like a fifth, sixth grader, feeling that sense of accomplishment and victory. I didn't do anything but climb stairs. I didn't build the thing. I didn't bring, bring it there. I didn't whatever. But I had this sense of victory after climbing those stairs. I, I want to tell you about some stairs that don't lead up to victory, but lead down to defeat. And those stairs start with worry. This is a step on the way to defeat in our spiritual life. And then the next step that we would take that leads us further and deeper into a darker place would be the idea of anxiety. The third step is fear. So worry gives life or gives oxygen and, and, and breath to anxiety. And anxiety, when it's taking full control, gives way to fear. And then we've got a real problem because we start to live in defeat. I want to tell you about these three things you see on your screen today. And I want to give you some practical advice and some ways that you can change your direction and not be heading down towards defeat but heading up towards victory. The first thing I want to say is all three of these, look at those words, all three of them are a choice. So worry is a choice. It's when you choose to mentally dwell on difficulty or trouble. I could say it like this. Worry is the sin of distrusting who God is of distrusting not just who he is, but what his word says, what his promises are, and his power. It really is the sin of me distrusting God. This should not give you guilt today that is unfixable or a guilt that can't be healed. I really believe that if you say, I fit into this, I am a worrier, I believe you can find healing and help today and that God in his grace can bring you up out of that place of defeat and into a place of victory. So we've got to understand what worry is. The next step after worry is anxiety. And I say again, it is a choice. It's choosing to be uneasy or nervous about an event, a person, or a problem that we can't control. Many of you in this room know me. Okay. If I asked you if your pastor is a confident person, you would probably say yes. Okay. You, you know me to be that way. When I was a kid, I struggled with anxiety, stomach aches every time I went to school, anxiety around people needing to know what was coming next because I wasn't sure what I was supposed to do. I'm the kid who 
just bothered my parents to death. If we went on a road trip, I wanted to know the gas stations and the exit numbers we were stopping at. Like I needed to know that stuff because I needed it in my mind. I still haven't worked it all out. I can't afford a therapist. If you can afford to help me with one, that would be great. But here's the idea. I used to be anxious about everything, but I live mostly in peace these days. I've grown in my knowledge and my understanding of those things that used to cause me anxiety. And I've come to the place of understanding that this is stuff that I really can't control. And I don't like that. (laughs) But it's the truth. I can't control certain things. But as we said last week when we talked about forgiveness, even if I can't control certain things, I always can control my response to those things, right? So we've got to be thinking clearly about this. And then the third thing that we'll talk about and we have talked about a little bit is fear. Fear is this. It's a choice as well, but it's a negative emotion caused by a real or perceived threat to our well-being. I thought in the development of this message about um, strange fears How many of you are afraid of something silly? Come on, I won't ask you to name it, okay? All right, a couple of us, are. other people have said, that's stupid, that's silly, you shouldn't be afraid of spiders or snakes or, (laughs) right? Uh, Those sorts of things. We have fear, but why? We have it because it's either real or a perceived threat to my well-being, Okay. A couple years ago at kids camp, I was walking, it was late at night. Well, it was after dark. It wasn't late at night. It was uh, after dark and we'd had a, a staff meeting and I was walking across the campgrounds with a few of the counselors. And as I walked across the campgrounds, we were way out in the country and I almost stepped on a snake. And I almost had to go change my clothes if you pick up what I'm putting down. It was a real threat to my life, okay? That was real fear. And fear is real. But here's what I have to say to you. Fear is a liar and a deceiver. Because most often what you fear, when we talk about not spiders and snakes, when we talk about fear, fear of rejection, fear of not pleasing man or pleasing man or whatever it is, the fears that we deal with in our life most often are a perceived threat and not a real one. There are, there are many real threats, but we've got to understand it in the clear light of day. So worry gives way to anxiety, and anxiety gives way to fear, but all three of these are choices. I want you to think about this for just a moment. I want you to think about this idea. Why would God command you to not do all three of those things? There is scriptural evidence, and I'm, my message could go three hours today if you like. I'll take you to every verse. But there is scriptural evidence that says that we are not supposed to fear, that we are not supposed to worry, that we should not be anxious. The Bible actually says that. And why would our God command us to do something we're incapable of doing or choosing? Let me say it this way. God would never command you not to do something if you didn't have the ability not to do that thing. So God created you to live in peace 
and not in chaos or not in fear. But we've got to see this for what it really is. Because as much as you know the presence of God by peace, by knowing that peace is there, you can know the presence of the enemy by fear. I've told the funny story before. I was scared of the dark. Um, it's still a real thing. No, uh, I was scared of the dark as a kid. And my mom would send me down after dark to the basement. Okay. In New Jersey, we had basements, creepy stuff, noises and all cobwebs and all that stuff. And I went down to the basement to have to do the laundry and I would start shouting a worship chorus and stomping down the stairs because I was ready to get rid of whatever was there. Now, I know it sounds so stupid, right? Okay. But we, but we have, we have done things like that. And here's the deal. I had no weapon in my hand. I didn't have a plan of attack. If you go to a basement, there's no way out except for the stairs you came down. You know what I mean? Like there's just this idea that, okay, I'm trapped now with whoever or whatever is down here to get me. So here, blessed little Dexter. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we have the victory. Because I had to convince myself that Jesus was going to help me. I mean, he saved my soul. He surely can save my body from whatever is going to come and get me. So we think about this in a crazy sense. But here's the idea. The presence of God brings peace. The Bible says that in his presence, there's fullness of joy and there's pleasures forevermore. So if I know that, then I've got to know that he is not a God of fear. And in fact, every time he sends an angel or a messenger, they always say, what? Don't be afraid. Why? Because you're afraid. Right? Because you're freaked out. There's somebody dropping from the sky to speak to you. And so there's this idea that you should not be afraid. We've got to understand the presence of the enemy is where fear is. All three of these are choices. And I believe all three of them, go back to that list, all three of them have their root in a misperception of who God is. I really do believe this. The truth is we have a loving father and scripture declares this. But when we give into worry, to anxiety, to fear, we're doing so because we have the wrong attitude. You say, well, pastor, huh? You, when you have given in, and we're not talking about the clinical stuff. We've already given a disclaimer about that. We're talking about things that bother you in a spiritual sense in the here and now. When we are fighting that battle, it really comes, I believe, from a misperception of who God is and who we are because we have the attitude of an orphan who is not going to be taken care of, who has to fend for himself, who has no good father to fend off the evil one. We really do have this attitude of an orphan. And those orphans, if you've ever known what an orphan uh, is or how they behave, they're all on their own. They do whatever they can to make, to get their needs met, to take care of themselves. And we act like that in a spiritual sense, but you are not an orphan. God in his word declares that he has adopted you. You're not even Jewish. (laughs) Most of you aren't. You're not, so you're not in the family. 
So here's the idea. He says he has adopted us. If we choose for him to adopt us, then we've got the greatest father who ever was or will be. You can't think right now about your earthly father and the bad situation or the good situation. None of it pales. It it all pales in comparison to who God is because he's the greatest father. He says the good human fathers are evil in comparison to him. So you've got to understand better who your God is and what he's capable of doing and what he desires to do, not just for you, but in you and through you. I truly believe this. This is the key to the victory in our battle over worry, anxiety, and fear is to get the right frame of mind and to choose the right attitude to know that my father loves me, that he is caring for me. Yes, we go through hard things, but he is teaching me something as I'm walking through it and he is walking with me through to the other side in victory because he's never been defeated. He sure got a motley crew. (laughs) Uh, I was talking about me, not you. He sure got a motley crew, right? And we are fallible creatures who can fail, but God is determined that he will not be defeated and he does not want to be defeated in your life. I want to read to you a passage of scripture in Matthew chapter 6. It'll help put some things in perspective for us. And then I'm going to give you three things that you must do in order to win over worry. Verse 25, it says this. Therefore, I tell you. Now, this is Jesus' words. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing look at the birds of the air they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns yet your heavenly father feeds them are you not of more value than they are and which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to to his span of life listen to me how many hours of your life have you wasted in worry anxiety and fear It could be countless depending on the person. And here's the deal. It hasn't added anything to our lives. They are things that detract us from understanding who God is and what his purpose in us is. Verse 28, it says this. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Talking about like making their own clothing. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith. That would be the words that you would hear when you have the attitude of an orphan that you've got to fend for yourself and you've got to do it and you've got to figure it out. And listen to me, I am guilty. I have done this. I still do this from time to time. Lord, bless the plan I've made. I'm trying my best. Bless it. Instead of, Lord, I completely trust you and I'm going to hold your hand like you're my father and we're in a really crazy storm. And I know that you're going to carry me all the way out to the other side. So it says there, it goes on 
Therefore, don't be anxious, verse 31, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Verse 32, for the Gentiles seek after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all. Again, it's that idea of family and fathering that's there that shows up that says, don't you know that your dad knows that you need this? This is building my faith. It should build your faith too. Verse 33, it says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So get your eyes on the right thing. Which is not a thing, but a person. It's your heavenly father. When you're focused on him and when your eyes are on him, the rest of this stuff that you're worried about will fall into place in his perfect time and plan as you trust him and walk with him, obeying his word and partnering with the Holy Spirit. This is so important and it's a missing ingredient in a lot of believers' lives. Verse 34, it says this, Therefore, do not be anxious. Again, he's echoing the same thing over and over again. Do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Ah, True, true words. Why worry about tomorrow when tomorrow's got its own problems? Just live in today. And here's what I understand about fatherhood I understand this. My kids, when they are around me, they are at rest. They know daddy's got this. He's taking care of it. He can fix it. He's going to spend time with me. He loves me. I, I say I love them and tell them and reassure them of that all the time. But that's not because I don't love them. It's because I'm trying to help them remain in a place of rest and trust This is a spiritual application for us that we would hear the words of the Father that you today in your worry, in your anxiety, or in your fear, that you today would hear the words of the greatest Father saying, I love you, I've chosen you, I have a purpose for you, I've not forgotten you, you're my son, you're my daughter, how could I forget you? So the first thing that you must do is this. Consider worry, anxiety, and fear tools of the enemy. I want you to think about it along a militaristic line of thought. Okay, Think about the military. Okay, This is not always the best thing to do, but a lot of times in the military, they do something called a preemptive strike. That means they hit before they get hit. That's what you've got to do with worry, anxiety, and fear because they're tools used by the enemy and you've got to make a preemptive strike on those things. Now, how do you do that? You do that by filling your mind with the word of God on the topic at hand. I'm worried about my finances so I can think, Lord, help me see in your word how you provided every single time for those who are your kids. Lord, I'm worried about my marriage. Lord, help me to see how the men in the Bible were good husbands and how I can model after them, how I can be what you're calling me to be. Lord, I'm worried about, and you just keep going down the list, any other thing you've got going on. Filling your mind with the word of God 
This should be our first response and not our last resort. It really should. The enemy wants to use worry, anxiety, and fear to destroy you and to rob you of your God-given and God-supplied joy. You've got to look at it with clarity today and see that that's not just, hey, I'm just hardwired that way. I just, I'm a worry wart, always have been, always will be. I want you to think and use that brain, that noggin of yours, to think along the lines that if you fill your mind with the word of God and you're considering those things as tools of the enemy, that you can defeat those things one step at a time with God's help as you partner with the Holy Spirit to get victory. Look at what Isaiah 26 says in verse three and four. It says, you keep him or her in perfect peace whose mind is fixed or stayed on you because they trust in you. Verse four says, trust in the Lord forever. Who does an orphan trust? He doesn't have anybody to trust. Trust in your father forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. This is powerful. If we would do our due diligence and be more in the word of God, I believe with all of my heart, we would experience less worry less anxiety and less fear. It's one of the ways that we can get victory. Now I wanna give you a second thing that you can do. The second thing you can do is turn every worry, every anxiety, every fearful thought into a prayer. Well, you might be too busy and worrying (laughs) that you don't have time to pray. I really mean it when I say I think these spiritual disciplines like reading the word and filling our mind with the word, prayer, these things should be our first response and not our last resort. So we should pray and pray often. I shared this morning in Pray First, our uh, Sunday morning prayer meeting before church. I shared about a book by a woman named Dr. Carolyn Leaf. She is a uh, neurologist. She was a neurologist. She's a psychologist. She wrote this book and it's a powerful book. Essentially, she did a case study with individuals wanting to see if prayer could be registered on a brain scan. So she had these people, these individuals, literally pray 12 minutes a day for an eight-week period of time. And you know what she found out? She found out that their brain scans had positive results and more positive neurons firing and all of that stuff at the end of that period of time simply because of one change they made and that was because they daily prayed. That's powerful. Like prayer has the ability, and I said it this morning, not just to change the heart of God. Yes, we see negotiations in the Bible and people who said, God, please change this. And God then changes it. But more so, it changes us as well. Because if I'm always praying about my need, you know who I'm talking about? I'm talking about God. You know who I'm talking to? I'm talking to him. I'm not sharing my problem with everybody else. I'm not worrying. I'm not sitting being anxious and being filled with fear, but I'm giving giving it over to a God who loves me, who cares for me, who's promised to never leave me, who says he's got a purpose for my life. First Peter chapter five, verse seven says this, cast all, say that word all, All. 
all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Look at what Philippians 4 verse 4 and a few other verses there in that passage say. It says rejoice in the Lord always again. I will say rejoice because he didn't think you got it right the first time. Rejoice. Verse 6. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Verse 7 says this, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. This is powerful because the word guard here, translated for us to guard, is actually a military idea of an encampment. A surrounding encampment that is not penetrated by the enemy. You've got to see this. The peace of God, which just passed, it doesn't make any sense sometimes that you're going through a storm, but you are and you're trusting your father. And so you've got this inner peace and this understanding that he's got this. It will help you because it will guard your mind and your heart in Christ Jesus. I'm old enough to remember hearing the saints in the old days, they used to say well, we had a long prayer meeting on Sunday night. And I really feel like I prayed through. I remember that. You remember that, Mark? I know there's some other faces around here. Well, what, what did they mean when they said that they prayed through? They meant they prayed through their problem to not a solution, right? To not always get a solution, but to a God who is able to give them the solution. They prayed and they would come down to altars and they would pray and to pray for one another that they would get through or that the prodigal son of so-and-so would come to the faith in Jesus Christ. And they'd pray and pray until they felt an inner peace and a strength that could only come by prayer. Maybe we ought to be more about that. In these modern days, maybe you ought to understand that God's a miracle worker, but not a magician. Maybe you ought to understand that the chaos and the storm that you're going through is a process and it's not necessarily going to end overnight. And there's a reason because it keeps you going back to him. You say, but I've been to him. I've gone to him a lot. Uh, we're like this these days. Yes, and he wants you to stay like that. But the Lord can use anything in our life, even those things that worry us and bring us anxiety or bring us fear. He can use those things for our good in the end. The third thing is this, worship instead of worry. Now, I say this because worship, again, is a choice. Some of us choose it uh, more aptly or readily than others do. But worship is a choice of your heart. And I think that I got to say this for clarity's sake, and I know the worship team will enjoy this encouragement. But I think that we've gotten off You may not be so familiar, but in the Christian world, we've been talking for the last few years and really more than a decade about worship is a lifestyle. When I mow my grass, I'm worshiping the Lord. When I serve in the church, it's worship. And I'm making it sound like that because I think it sounds like that. I think we've done ourselves a disservice because we actually have unincluded or distanced ourselves 
from the music and the worship that we do together in singing songs. I believe there's power when we worship instead of worry, when we make that our reaction to the problem. I'm telling you, I I started smiling so wide this morning, my face hurt in prayer because a song came on the iTunes playlist that was playing during prayer. And I remember it being a song in a season of my life that was the hardest season of my life to endure. I can, I can smell the room. I can see the view out of the window. I know exactly what God did in my heart as a result. And you say, well, that must be your favorite song. It's not, but it's something that helped me. I think we've, we've gotten to the place where we say worship is a lifestyle and all of these things, but we do ourselves this disservice if we minimize the role of music. I don't know if you've ever had a romantic relationship, but music can set the mood. And I think many of us are missing the tone of what worship can do in our lives because we're not listening to worship music. And worship not only moves the heart of God, but it moves your heart. If you would let it and stop looking like you're dead. My wife's been to concerts with me and she can vouch. What you see on a Sunday morning is what I would do in another place, not worshiping God, of course, if it's a secular concert. But I mean, you gotta be dead to not move to the beat, right? or to hear a song about Jesus be the center of it all and to just have your heart want to cry out to him. Even if you don't sound good, the Bible says, make a joyful noise. You don't even have to sound good, but I encourage you to include worship because music can set the mood. In fact, that's why we do it every Sunday at the end of our service because we want to set the tone for you to respond. And today, in just a moment, for you to say, Lord, I'm tired of the worry. I'm tired of the anxiousness or the anxiety. I'm tired of the fear. I'm gonna trust you. I've decided today I'm going to trust you. That's the the decision that you have to make. And then you stick with it, amen? Here's how different your life could be. Or how about this? Think about how different your life would be if you started your day with worship in the car instead of sports talk radio for the guys or political commentators and all these other things. Think about what it would be like if you had worship playing in your home. You say, well, pastor, I don't even know what's good and what's not and whatever. Here's the idea. Just play something. Play something that you might like. But here's the idea. My relationship with my wife, or in your case, your spouse, could be di- or your roommate, could be different when there's worship playing. I'm less apt to scream at my kids when there's worship music on. Why? Because it's setting a, an environment for my heart. Are you getting what I'm putting down today? Look at what Psalm 95 says, and then I'm going to close. It says this in Psalm 95, verse one. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Even if your life is terrible right now, you've got something to thank him for. So you've got to put on your thinking cap and think in the right direction. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise 
For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are also his. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Stand with me today, or kneel if you choose to. But I want you right now to think about this message. Think about the thing that maybe you've worried about in this message. You could be worried about somebody else. You could be worried about your health. You could be worried about some of the other things, like I said, finances or family or relationship or whatever. Today, I want you to truly do what scripture says, which is cast all of your anxieties on him for he cares for you. If you're going to cast your anxiety on him, it's a process and you start today right now by saying, God, I'm not gonna pick it up again. And when that thought comes into my mind about that worry, that fear, that situation at work, that whatever it is, when that happens, I promise you, I'm gonna cast it back to you. Father, I pray right now over Celebrate Church, everyone that listens to this message today, God, I pray that you would encourage us to be equipping our minds so that, Lord, through the word, through prayer, and through worship, we would see victory in our lives. God, help us to not have the attitude of an orphan, but to have the attitude of a loved son or daughter. In fact, to have the attitude of your favorite because that's what all of us are, God. So Lord, I thank you today that you're setting us free and that you're causing us and calling us to come into your presence where there's peace that can't even be understood. Lord, I pray today that you would set free every mind that is worrying. In the name of Jesus, help us to trust you. Quiet the voice of doubt again. Echo within me every promise Let your word be louder than my fear